Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Versecast, the Star Citizen Podcast. I'm John Abraham. And I am Bleep. Welcome to episode six of the Versecast, recorded. What is this? Oh, it's October. Yeah. October 28th, 2014. <laughs> this week on the Versecast, exciting news out of CIG, including. Wait for it. F. P. S. Yay! Oh, <laughs> uh, um, and then in the verse cast we discuss more facts and rumors. And uh, I, being the nice guy that I am, I gave Chris Roberts another week off from answering, from saying my name. <laughs> All that and much, much um, more. Yeah, and uh, Caleb couldn't join us this week again. So, yeah, yeah. So hope to have him back again next week. Yeah. All right. So, um, John, how's your week been? Pretty good. Pretty Excellent. good. How's your your week been? It's been real busy. It's been real busy. It seems like we were just here, but I'm I'm happy to be back. And I know, uh, yeah. So um since last time, I did a little research though. I found some time to look up uh some of the questions or answers to some of the questions we had last time, uh, including the discussion we had about military versus militia versus police. And so, of course, because this is such an important question, I went straight to Google, so I know that the answers are correct. (laughs) And what Google said is that military is the armed forces of a country. And so that, you know, that makes sense to me. I think um, um, we can all agree on that. Um, Militia, Mm -hmm. this this is where it gets interesting, is a military force that is raised from the civilian population to supplement a regular army in an emergency. So that's kind of, I think that kind of ties into my National Guard analogy, that uh, the militia is going to be um, people that are not military, not soldiers all the time, but that they have, uh, uh, they have occasion to act in, in military-like roles. And then police, right. police are the, the, the civil force of a nation or local government responsible for prevention and detection of crime and maintenance of public order. So... Um, Caleb now has a ship so that he gets to uh, maintain public order. So I'm fe- I'm sleeping a little bit safer at night. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think we we've got that one settled. Um, next we uh, we were discussing whether there was going to be a repair ship slated for the game, and I found out that yes, by just a, an amazing coincidence, we're going to be getting the Anvil Aerospace Crucible as our reward for the $59 million stretch goal, which we just hit, I think it was probably yesterday. And uh, it's a pretty cool uh, ship. John, have you had a chance to take a look at the, the specs on it? I haven't. I totally missed this. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah I, you know, I knew that it had been in the voting, but I hadn't, um, hadn't really been paying much attention to it. Um, but I guess uh, what uh, RSI is calling it is a flying toolbox. So um, I think uh, you can uh, sort of imagine uh, imagine what's going to happen around that. And I think that it's going to be the basis for another interesting uh, profession or role in the persistent universe. So, so is this thing an add-on for uh, existing ships? No, or... it's actually a ship of all its own. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. I'm looking the Anvil Aerospace Crucible. Okay. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, let's see. I'm just uh, skimming through the official description, and it talks about 
that it's a very versatile ship that you can use it as a base for conducting EVA repairs. Um, it's uh, got all kinds of cool tools on it. So it's like, you know, the snap-on truck that you see driving down the street. You know, it's kind of like that, except it's in space. Um, uh-huh. And... Um, you know, it, you can set up like scaffolding. You can do external repair structures. It just—it seems like a very rich, uh, profession-based uh, vehicle. Um, so kind of similar yeah. to the ambulance uh, or science vessel, the um, Endeavor, which uh, I'm all excited about. Um, it's similar in that it uh, comes sort of preloaded with all kinds of potential for uh, jobs and missions in the game. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds pretty interesting. So that's pretty cool. Um, and also to a couple of uh, last things, I did get into my cut list. Thank you, Caleb, for the uh, the tip on how to do that. Um, but then I got stuck in one of the beds and couldn't get out. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually I had to uh, I had to kill my client to get out of bed. <laughs> um, oh my gosh! And I still can't. Is find there a? Fish. Oh no! <laughs> I wonder what uh, the fish that are currently in my fish tank symbolize. Because I know that in the final game, when you go to like a new planet or something, you'll get a fish for it. Huh, I think that's that that's the purpose that they're yeah that's the purpose that they're supposed to serve. So like instead of getting an achievement like you would in any other game, you get a f- or a fish or some kind of creature to go in your fish tank. Wow, that's pretty cool. So it's sort of like a memento of having yeah. gone someplace. Wow, oh, that's yeah. And they're all supposed to be different. But I already, I, I think I have like three things in there already. I, I think one of them is a crab, which was one of the stretch goals. Uh huh. I believe. Yeah, I don't know. Or something. I, 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 to be honest, I, I did not research that one too, uh, too thoroughly. I just, I did go and look at my tank again and saw that it was still empty, and I, I made a frowny face and moved on. <laughs> oh, you do have a tank. I thought you said last week that you didn't even have a tank. No, I have two tanks, which is the really the weird thing. Oh, you have in two. The, in the asteroid hangar, I have a uh, a tank that has water and some coral and you know like plants floating around in it. Um, and then I have an empty tank, which I had um, when I got my first ship, because I, I had the uh, the base hangar then, and it had an empty tank in it. It was just, you know, uh, a big, empty, rectangular glass box. And uh, so, you know, since upgrading to uh, my man cave in space, I, I have a tank with water uh, and an empty tank, but no fish. Even though Weird. I paid for them. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, I also um, I was gonna meant to ask you about this. Um, I got um, a model too of the M fifty. The uh, that I think that was one of the stretch goals, and I don't know if everybody got one of those or if it, just if you if you bought an M fifty. It's the Tokatsu or or I forget the the brand name, but they it's a company that makes these scale models or. Um, and, but anyway, I've got a, a display case in my hangar with uh, a model of the M50 in it, which is pretty cool. Oh, did wow! You, did you get that, or you you don't know? I don't. I don't think so. That I, yeah, that sounds like something that would have come with your M50. 
Yeah, I I don't think I get any any of those models. Um, I you can buy them in the Voyager Direct store, can't you? I believe so. I'm gonna take a quick look here at my hanger and tell me uh, it's got my fish there, and they're sit- and they are attributed fish too. Damn it! Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it just says uh, Takwatsu Origin M50 Racing Model Hanger Decoration Attributed, not huh. there. Yeah, okay. So. Weird. Yeah, yeah, I remember having fish in my tank since like the beginning of the just the hangar module, the plain old hangar. I remember huh. them swimming around in there. So I don't know why you've never seen yours. Uh, you know, I wonder if it isn't that you got fish for some other thing, and that um, I bought mine with the ten thousand credits that Chris gave us for the $58 million stretch goal. And I'm wondering maybe if they just haven't been delivered yet. Maybe, maybe but I thought everything in, I, I, <laughs> I thought uh, everything in Voyager direct was ready to be used or to be seen in, uh, in the hangar, a hangar ready fish. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's that was my assumption too. Uh, so you can imagine my disappointment when I didn't uh, didn't find them. But oh, yeah, well. so I'll, I will follow up on that. I will continue to follow up on that because I know uh, the listeners are just fascinated by fish talk. So <laughs> and uh, so now um, on to the Versecast news, and the big news is PAX Australia, which is happening in just a few short days from when we are recording this, and at PAX, I think the thing we're all most excited about is the big FPS reveal. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, the con is scheduled to run our time uh, Friday the 31st through Sunday, November 2nd. I think it's actually a day later there. Um, and the Star Citizen event is going to happen um, at... On Saturday, Australian time at 9 p.m., and I think you subtract 11 hours or something like that to get our time. So it's, I'm not sure exactly when, but I do know that it is going to be streamed on Twitch. So I'm, uh, I'm expecting uh, to, uh, to check that out or hoping to check that out on, uh, on Friday, our time. So, um, and, uh, in uh, leading up to the uh, the FPS reveal, uh, there was a, uh, uh, a Reddit AMA with representatives from the company. Uh, we know them as uh, Redacted. Um, I, I guess at some point they're going to actually officially announce the name of the company. I've heard I've heard people say it, but I can't remember what it is. Uh, I guess I'm actually not supposed to because it's supposed to be Redacted. <laughs> But anyway, the guys that are making the FPS module, and uh, that was a really um, uh, interesting uh, Reddit. We, we will have a link for it in the show notes, um, so if you're interested in, in checking out the actual uh, Reddit thread, uh, go do that. Um, but uh, out of that, there um, uh, we got a bunch of information about what, uh, what we can expect in FPS, um, and I know, uh, John, you had a chance to, uh, to see the, um, there was a video compilation done by um, a YouTuber named Hopping Mad Media, 
and we'll put a link to, to that video in the show notes also. Um, and I think he did a really good job kind of wrapping up or summarizing what it is that's going to be uh, in the FPS uh, module. So, um, uh, John, did you uh, get a chance to kind of go through that? Yeah, and um, if you're really into FPS stuff, uh, you should definitely check out that video. But um, I kind of just pulled out the most important stuff to me. Um, so it's supposed to be coming early next year. Um, and the the modes that are going to be there at release are Seek and Destroy, Team Deathmatch, Capture and Hold. I would assume Seek and Destroy is like... Um, search and destroy in call of duty so there would be there would be uh a central bomb and you would take or uh, a a bomb site and you take a bomb to it and uh activate the bomb and blow it up and then you would win that's just a speculation but um and then obviously team deathmatch and then capture and hold probably like a domination type thing in call of duty um, and then there's supposed to also be a co-op PVE mode, uh, yeah. which will be coming later on. But I guess that would be uh, maybe like a horde in Gears of War. Have you ever played Gears? No, I never have. I yeah, know so it. Gears of War sort of invented the horde mode, which is, you know, going into sort of an arena or a map and uh, just endless enemies coming at you and typically it's co-op Call of Duty has done it with zombies and Halo did it with firefight so I guess that's what this co-op PvE mode might be but maybe it would just be more of like Borderlands type thing I don't know Hmm. but I'm pretty excited for all of this especially I'm like I'm a really big Call of Duty guy. I've fallen off like Ghosts kind of let me down, but um yeah, I'm really into FPS and I, it'd be awesome if uh on top of everything else that uh, Star Citizen is doing, if it could fulfill my FPS needs, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And, I, and I'm I you know, I, I've never done any of the sort of strategic um uh, uh, FPS stuff. Most of my FPS has been, you know, like Borderlands, uh, Quake, you know, games like, you know, where you can double jump over buildings and stuff like that. And I, and I, I think if I, if I'm reading what, uh, was there correctly, that's not going to be the style of, of play here. Is that your take? No. Yeah. This is, this is supposedly going to be more tactical, like Rainbow Six, um, so they said that it would be uh, slow paced but uh it would be really fast to kill somebody so i guess you know like it's fast to kill people in call of duty but the movement itself would be slow so you wouldn't be just running around and shooting people blindly but uh yeah it's more tactical and there's going to be um a sprinting, jumping, crouching, sliding, and then also ledge climbing. Uh, but there won't be a cover system, which I kind of thought there might be based on the reveal that they did. The, you know, that video where the guy is, like, standing by a wall, and then there's a grenade or something, and then it's like a cinematic reveal, yeah, that yeah. first thing that they showed. Yeah, so I, you're not... I, you, 
you're not going to be able to take cover at all. You don't. There think- will, there will be cover more like in uh, Far Cry. Okay. Um, where you you kind of crouch behind uh, objects and stuff. It, I think it might be, it might be like adaptive. So like if you're behind something, it would automatically, um, it would automatically know that you're trying to take cover there and make sure that you aren't, uh, like nothing sticking out or anything. Uh, oh, okay. But it's not gonna be like locking you to cover like in Gears of War. For Gears of War is like the best example for a cover-based shooter, I guess. Oh, okay. Now, like the cover system in um, uh, GTA, is it going to be sort of similar to that where if you seek cover behind something, it's you sort of, you're kind of stuck there a little bit? No, I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be more free, more free form. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, well, I, you know, I, I've not played this sort of FPS before, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I guess uh, it's not going to be uh, Team Fortress 2 in space is what you're telling me. Mm-mm, no, <laughs> I think it's going to be a mix. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be not too difficult to pick up, but there is going to be that uh, sort of cover mechanic that you'll have to stick to. And they've also talked about um, having to take advantage of stealth uh, because mm-hmm. there is going to be uh, different armor types. So I guess you could put on heavier armor. That would make you move slower. But if you had lighter armor, then you might want to go more stealthy. And But that would let you run around the map faster. Um, but on top of that, they have they also talked about having mech suits, uh, wow. like an eight-foot-tall mech suit, wow. which would... Yeah, make you kind of like a heavy, the the heavy class in uh, Planet Side Two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was so. was it called the heavy? I can't remember what that was. I played the original Planet yeah. Side. I never played uh, the the second one. So, I, but I do remember the the oh, okay. suits and and how and how it it definitely slowed you down quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, but, but uh, it was also crazy powerful. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that too. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I I'm I think it's going to be I think what the biggest takeaway from all of this is that it's going to be incredibly rich and it's going to be um, not garden variety um, like you know you've seen in in other games before. There's going to be aspects of lots of different styles of play available to you and. Um, uh, so you know, I think kind of like every everything else that we've uh, been discussing before, it seems like they're trying to really push the envelope on on how this game is going to work. It's it's not like you know while we're on on the development journey to getting to the persistent universe here, we'll just throw you out you know a Big Mac that everyone's had before, and um, you know how to do this because you've always done it and. Um, but it'll give you something to do. It's instead, here's our, you know, envelope pushing take on this genre of play. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're tacking it on, which honestly I was a little concerned about when they first, excuse me, when they first talked about having an FPS aspect in this game. Um, I assumed it might just be like, 
uh, there might be a couple missions where you had to take a gun out and shoot some people and go through an area and that would be it. But um, there's going to be a specific module for it, just like they've done with Arena Commander with its own modes and everything. And, uh, you know, the weapons are going to have attachments and there's going to be, like, crazy physics when you're in uh, zero-G. And then another cool thing is there will be uh, suction boots so you can walk on ceilings and walls uh, in in zero gravity um, and then there's going to be ballistic energy air and radiation weapons so there's wow. you know different crazy different type types of weapons uh, there's grenades gadgets uh, there's hand-to-hand combat um, and then <laughs> the weapons when when you're carrying around a weapon and it's like on your back people can shoot at it and it'll actually take damage and it can like stop your weapon from working correctly. Um, and then on top of that, what go, I was going to say, are, are, are you aware of another game that, that is like that? Um, I mean, that just seems, you know, (sighs) totally out of, out of, uh, out of the box stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I, I don't think there is another game that's done this. Yeah, I, especially I they, not in an FPS. Yeah, I know they they talked about you know the uh, the death mechanic too, and I guess there, there's at least I have some confusion over what how you're going to what happens when you die, um, whether you immediately respawn you know in the same arena or if there's going to be um, some other mechanic where you have to uh, if you're if you end up in a hospital or, or how exactly that's going to work, you know, especially relative to how we understand the death mechanic is going to exist in the PU. Um, but I, the one thing that I thought that was very cool is they said um, that there's not going to be, or I heard this reported on, on an, another, um, another podcast. I believe this was on, on star um, on the uh, star signal podcast. They were talking about uh, that. There's not going to be uh a situation where a limb gets blown off, uh, there, but you, you you will have a limb get incapacitated. So if somebody, if a sniper shoots you in your, you know, in your gun arm or your grenade arm, you're not going to be able to throw a grenade. Your arm is just going to be limp by your side, and you're going to have to continue on uh, in that compromised capacity um, and try to do the best you can. Which, again, you know, yeah. it's just like. Where have you seen that before? I mean, it's it's usually, you know, there have been games, you know, like I used to play a lot of Unreal Tournament. And uh, in that game, you know, you would, you know, like your your legs would get blown off. But that was just part of the death montage. That was not um, that was not actually a functional part of how your character had to play going forward. But it sounds like at least until you really die, die that uh, it's possible that you're going to suffer. Um, you and your weapons are going to uh, suffer potentially suffer from uh, uh, degraded uh, functionality, which I think, you know, is just, is just another dimension of realism that, you know, is, is really, really cool. Yeah. And it sort of just makes sense. Like a lot of games try to go for like crazy hardcore stuff and you have to learn it all. But honestly, it seems like they're approaching this in a way that's just, sensical and grounded in reality and honestly i've been waiting for an fps game to do this kind of stuff where you can like get shot in your right arm so you can't use it anymore and you have to move your 
you have to switch uh, your weapon over to your left arm, and then like you can't aim as well or something. So uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's going to be pretty pretty intense. And then um, there's also the uh, possibility of having prosthetic limbs, and uh, what they said was the prosthetic could uh, reduce recoil while you're shooting. Um, oh, wow. But it's also susceptible to like an EMP. So if you got EMP, your your arms or legs could just like stop working, just like start flying all over the place or something like malfunction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your arm just starts windmilling. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they've also, I think, I think the reason they aren't like chopping off limbs is to keep the game rated T. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's where they're they're trying to keep it at, and if they start ripping limbs off, I think that's when they start getting into the mature rating. Yeah, I mean that that's why we play Borderlands is so that you can one shot you know some a guy into a billion pieces, you know. So yeah, yeah, that's <clears throat> you know as much as I played Borderlands, I've never once felt like it was real. So <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to feeling like stuff is is a little more real here. Yeah. So. Um they also they also mentioned that uh FPS will uh play a role in Squadron 42. So that should be fun. It it kind of seemed uh at the beginning there that uh Squadron 42 would just be like flying around type mm-hmm. missions and stuff. Uh but it sounds like there's going to be more on uh planet side uh missions and uh FPS stuff. So that's yeah. pretty exciting. Well, yeah, and another thing that I, um, I I either read or heard was uh, that you're going to be able to um, board ships in the FPS too, and, and you're going to be able to like uh, breach hulls, um, and that that the ships are going to have uh, weak points where you're not going to be able to just like shoot out a window and go through the window, but the the hull is going to have designated weak points um, where you'll you'll be able to you know kind of like in Payday Two. I don't know if you've played Payday Two where yeah. you, you break into a safe and you have a drill that you you know you have to set up and on the safe and then defend your position while the, the 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 safe is being drilled i guess it's going to be something similar where you're going to be able to breach a hole either from uh outside to get in or maybe if you've invaded for through an airlock you're going to breach the hole to uh to get away afterwards so it it just seems like you know the, yeah. the coolest the coolest parts of a lot of games that you played and loved um, are potentially going to all be in the same place. So, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean, I just think it's uh, it's uh, it's very exciting and looking forward to to actually seeing it and playing it. And and uh, your understanding is it's going to be January. Is that when it's supposed to be out? The module. Um, I don't know what the month is. I all, all I've heard is uh, early next year. Uh, but it it honestly at this point it doesn't seem that far away because um right when we started seeing arena commander stuff uh the arena commander came out like just a couple months later yeah so yeah i would i would bet on it being around january that's kind of their style too is i mean they don't they don't preview something and then just leave it hanging for for a long time i don't think so or at least that's not my impression to this point so Hopefully it'll no, be, but they it'll do like soon. to say, they do like to say something is coming at a certain time, and then 
it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, they they've they've had to push back some deadlines to be sure, to be sure. Yeah. Well, they've been doing one, a lot better lately though. Well, yeah, like I, I think I mentioned on the the show a couple of weeks ago, um Chris Roberts, you know, actually said at CitizenCon, he said, "Look, you know, it's going to be out I'm estimating it's going to be out, you know, the first part of of uh of uh of next year, but I'm not going to give you an exact date just because I know I can't promise that." So, you know, you know, yeah, I, you I know, think he, I think he learned that they can't say that they can't say a date, right? You know, and and I, and you can't ask for anything more than that than just being upfront, just saying, you know, hey, I I don't know, but you know, all the schedules we have point to this, and so yeah, he he's sharing Honestly, what I he knows with us, yeah, 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 and I don't I don't really care. They can take as long as they want. I just want it to be good. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I just I'm. Looking forward to this being something like uh, never played before, and uh, so if it needs to take a, a, a little longer to do that, then um, you know, by all means. Uh, before we leave yep. the FPS uh, conversation, I did want to read one particular post from one of the. Uh, 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 they were credited here in the in the thread as SC FPS team, um, uh, a. A uh, player, uh, beer for the beer god, who I've heard on um, on another podcast, uh, is an interesting guy. He asked a question: Can you provide an example of the kind of gameplay experience that we're going to be looking for? And what they said is that it's going. There are a, a bunch, but here here's just one sort of random out of out of uh, out of thin air. It says uh, persistent universe experience might be that I'm a stealthy player. I'm solo. I find a wrecked ship. I know scavengers will be around soon. I find a crate. I hide myself in the crate. I let the scavengers take the crate and put me into their ship. When I'm on the ship, sometime later, I get out of the crate very quietly. I rummage around and find some goodies I like. I steal them. Now I can either jump out of an airlock and uh, you know call for someone to come pick me up. I can go to the engine room and self-destruct the ship. Or I can quietly hunt and execute the entire crew and then steal the ship. Or, you know, they maybe they find me and they kill me. Maybe they scan the cargo. They discover me. So it just, you know, this sort of reiterates, you know, with a, an actual example from one of the people that's putting this together, you know, just how potentially rich and how many different directions this whole thing could possibly go. Yeah. I would get back into the crate with the stuff I stole and <laughs> I would never get found. <laughs> Absolutely, because I, I would have my I would have my iPhone and I would just watch some movies, you know, and I would just wait. It'd be cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'd bring snacks. The, and have the snacks. iPhone, the iPhone fifty seven at that point. <laughs> fifty seven plus, John. <laughs> the, one the, the one with the really big screen. <laughs> the fifty seven S plus. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, so I think I think we are in agreement. FPS is coming. Uh, there's going to be a reveal. We're excited, and um, uh, more to follow, I'm sure, in subsequent uh, episodes. Yep. All right. Um, in other official news from uh, CIG, uh, according to Ben Lesnick, the next concept ship is going to be coming up uh, this weekend, also. Um, and it is going to be the Drake Herald, which I don't know if you remember, John, is the uh, information runner. Um, and oh, it's, right. This is the and, one you were excited for. Yes, yes. And then I then I got my Cutlass and uh, all of a sudden fell out of love with the Herald. But now that it's coming out next week, 
Um, and uh, kind of the, you know, after the um, 890 jump and that $600 price tag, you know, people were kind of like, wow, are all of these, uh, you know, ships going to be um, uh, so expensive? And uh, the the good good news is, is that no, they're not. The, the Herald, which is actually a very small ship, I think it's roughly the same size as the M50, uh, is only going to be eight, only going to be eighty-five dollars. So um, I'm going to take a very hard look at that. And um, uh, right now, in my hangar, my Aurora LN is is uh, is shivering in its boots, uh, af- afraid that it's about ready, about to get melted. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I, I'm pretty tempted to melt down mine. The only thing that's holding me back is the LTI. That's pretty. Oh, tempting. that's true. Yeah, that's that's true. That, that's 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 going to be uh, useful for you. And it's you know it's nice to have a um, um, a backup, really utilitarian ship that you know will always be there. You know, in case yeah. things just yeah, it is. In case things go horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and I you know I first heard about this uh, on the Star Signal Sig- Signal the Star Signal podcast uh, episode Star-sickle. seven. Yeah, Starsicle, the Starsicle podcast, episode seventeen. So I wanted to, to shout out those guys. Thanks for uh, for uh, cluing me into that. And I looked it up and found uh, the post from Ben. Um, and then the final bit uh, that we have out of the uh, official news is the shipbuilding pipeline, uh, which uh, was uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Day. I forget what his first name is. Uh, Travis. Travis Day. Yeah. Travis Day uh, uh, posted a really cool um, uh, flowchart that shows the the how ships go through the pipeline from the concept phase uh, to pre-production, then to production, and then the final phase where they um, uh, get released uh, to us um, so that we can have them in our hangars. And uh, if you get a chance, there's going to be a link in the show notes. Uh, definitely go check that out. It, it's um, it's probably more information than you need, but uh, if you had any questions about how that actually works, um, it's uh, um, definitely the answer is in there somewhere. Um, but just sort of broad strokes, what what how the thing works is that there's a, the concept phase, uh, or the, uh, a ship becomes concept ready, and that's uh, like we saw with the 890 jump, um, or the reclaimer. Uh, when they um, when they uh, are ready to uh, show us pictures and uh, take our money, uh, that's when uh, the ship is concept ready. Um, it becomes hangar ready. No surprise, probably once it's uh, ready to be put in your hangar, so you can you know open the doors and climb around inside and make uh, make spaceship noises in the pilot seat. Uh, and then it becomes dogfight <laughs> dogfight ready when um, uh, it's ready to go uh, into the the arena commander or uh, later on when it's ready for the persistent universe. So um, uh, do check this out. It's very cool. And uh, potentially one of the coolest bits about it is at the very end, there is a current ship status table, which shows all the ships that are yet uh, to be released um, and where they are in the process. So um, like the Idris is the Idris is concept ready um, and the next uh, step for it will be that it's hangar ready. Um, the Mustang is concept ready. It'll be hangar ready next. So it's not giving an order in which these is gonna these are going to happen. Uh, that probably would be too much to hope for. But um, it is at least some information if you're um, 
if you are um, uh, interested in, um, in where your ship is in the pipeline. Good? Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry. And I, I made a mistake. One, one last thing. Uh, we do have a patch this week. Uh, Chris uh, said intent for the chairman that uh, uh, there would be uh, 13.2 or version 0.9.2 of Arena Commander coming out this week with some fixes for control inputs. And I know they had uh, some issues with the Origin 325A. I think I think that's right. The 325A. Um that uh, I they were I think they were going to try to fix uh, in this uh, this patch. So looking forward to that. Um, so John, if there's nothing else, uh, let's move on to the verse chat, shall we? Sounds good. All right. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, uh, ten for the chairman episode forty three uh, came out uh, yesterday, and uh, there were I, I went through and I, I gleaned out uh, some questions that I thought were pretty cool. Um, a couple of them having to do with um, kind of a gameplay immersion and then um, a, a couple of others. But uh, the first one was from a subscriber named Robinator. And he asked about engineering in the Persistent Universe and that when changing out a module in a ship or on your ship, is it just going to happen? Or are you going to like, you know, press a button and say change? Or, um, and then, you know, you get a little a little sprite effect and then all of a sudden your new modules there or are you actually going to uh, see NPCs working on it uh, on your ship and what Chris said is that the goal was to support um, as much uh, immersive visuals as is practically possible so you could if you you know were having guns swapped out you know you could see NPCs going and swapping out the guns or he said for some repairs you'll you know, depending upon your skill, you would be able to do it yourself and you would be able to watch yourself uh, do that. Um, so I thought that that was, you know, just kind of a, a cool thing, a little added thing, you know, instead of like in other games where you go to have um, your, like in Grand Theft Auto, when you're having your, your car modified, you know, you're having different suspension put on, basically you just pay for it and, you know, the the air gun goes and then it's done. Yeah. Um, um, but here, you know, you're going to actually um, see some NPC mechanics come out and uh, do some portion of the work. And, um, you know, it may be even so cool as like you drop your ship off and they say, yeah, it'll be ready um, in, you know, in two space days. And so you go off to a, a bar or something and you come back and check in on it, you know, and you see your ship like half apart on the, on the, uh, on the floor there or, or, or what have you. But again, just, you know, cool immersive stuff that you we haven't seen in other places so yeah how does that sound to you john it 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 sounds pretty cool and um uh one thing i would say about it is it would be awesome if they saved doing that stuff until like the end like if they got the pu like totally done except for those like little immersive things um and then added them in later because then we could actually play, uh, but I do want to see that stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm ch- I'm just wondering what their their sort of timeline for adding that kind of stuff is. Well, he did he did make mention it. It might not have been in this question, but um, in one of the questions this week, uh, he did say, you know, these are all um, little additions that we want to put on to your experience, but there's 
gameplay mechanic that has to happen first. You know, there's right. Um, so I, I think he addressed that concern. He he said that you know this these are all things that we have in mind that uh, wouldn't it be cool to to do this? But it's it's not going to be. You know, you can watch your your engine be torn apart in great detail before you can fly your ship. You know, yeah. Um, so I think that I think that that's yeah I think that's a that's an excellent uh, an excellent question. Um, and then uh, the second question came from uh, Tom Weininger. Um, hope you're not mispronouncing that. And he essentially asked, is jumping going to be instantaneous? Uh, again, sort of a similar question. Is jumping going to be instantaneous or is it going to be really, really cool where you're going to have all kinds of visual effects and stuff like that? No, it's and... going to be like super lame, man. <laughs> and that's what Chris it's said. It's going to suck. Chris, Chris said, this is, the, this is the part of the game that we've selected to suck really, really bad. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, said, he said it's going to actually be really, really cool. And um, uh, the part that uh, about... <laughs> This question that I found particularly interesting um, for as long as I own my freelancer Dur is that um, the he said when you're uh, the first time through a jump hole it has to be or a wormhole it has to be mapped and so it's going to be a significant piloting challenge um, to get through and it, he said it's going to be uh, like riding the inside of a wave or or, um, or something like that. Um, but that you're going to have to avoid um, uh, running into stuff. And uh, that once it's mapped, depending upon the quality, you know, and I this was sort of uh, some interesting depth, uh, depending upon the quality of the job done mapping, um, subsequent trips would uh, be either really easy or only, you know, just a little bit easier. So, um, but it's all going to be just, you know, visually very, uh, very uh, dramatic. And uh, I think we've seen that if you, if it, You've seen any of the uh, gameplay video from uh, Elite Dangerous? That's one of the things I think they do very well. Is the uh, the uh, hyperspace travel is uh, it's it's very visually very very interesting. Well, it sounds like in Star Citizen when you when you jump, you'll act it'll be like an active process. You'll act you'll actually have to avoid things based on how well uh, the jump point was mapped. Yes, yes, um, and that's not to to this point. That's not been the uh, the case in Elite Dangerous. I know there's a, a huge patch that's coming out today um, uh, that uh, has some really big changes. Um, but I don't think that the uh, the jump dynamic is going to be one of those. But yeah, so to your point, yeah, it's going to be a much more interactive process. It's going to be uh, a skill based process. You know, so it's not a yeah. Um, it's not going to be something where you um, you achieve, you acquire the jumping skill and then everything after that is just you know press a button and away you go. Yeah, and they've talked about smaller ships being easier to maneuver. I know in um, uh, Star Trek when they go to warp, it's like a warp stream, and I think they're actually passing through any objects that are between where they're traveling to. So like if there's a planet in the way of their destination, they're actually passing through it because they're moving faster than the speed of light and the molecules are, I don't, I I don't know the technicalities, (laughs) but, but, uh, I think that's how it works in Star Trek. (laughs) That might, that might be even too cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Did you see the the most recent Star Trek movie? Um, I did the one with Khan. Yeah. Yeah, in, that, in the darkness. Yeah. That, yeah, that part where they're in the warp stream and that that bigger ship like comes into the warp stream and then shoots them out. That blew my mind when I saw it in the theater. That was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, well, and we're going to get to do that. So, <laughs> how cool is that? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, anyway, it's going to be, jumping is going to be cool. Uh, the, the third question was from someone, uh, from a sponsor, Attack Attack Cat, I think is how it's pronounced. And uh, uh, this one piqued my interest because of, um, of my, my Cutlass ownership. Uh, they asked about healing and repair roles during multiplayer combat in the PU. Uh, would were there going to be a bunch of cool tools to use, and um, you know, would you bring in supplies and stuff like that? Um, you know, it wouldn't be as simple as like in Borderlands, where if one of us is down, we just go over and stand near the person and press the E key. Um, is are you actually going to have to have bandages, or are you going to have to, you know, have a prosthetic arm on board to uh, replace on a person if their if their arm is irreparably damaged? Um, and of course, uh, go figure. What Chris said was that there uh, there are going to be um, um, uh, these sorts of supplies available, and that there are going to be several healing and repair roles. Uh, available to players both in space on ships and then also uh, while planet side uh, on foot. So um, you you know could be a, a doctor uh, on the surface during the day, and then you know when battles uh, 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 happen, you could uh, jump in your cutlass and go flying out to um, to the battlefield and uh, and uh, uh, be a doctor out in space. So um, I think it's um, it's another uh, really cool thing. I think um, I heard this from Ten for the Chairman. He was talking about uh, inventory, and your inventory is going to be based on what clothes you're wearing. So if you're wearing just like some jeans, um, you would only be able to you know fit like a candy bar in your jeans. But if you had like uh, cargo pants, you could fit a lot more stuff. Right, yeah, I remember that. It's, it's going to be much more realistic than it is in a lot of MMOs where, you know, you have a, a, a 150-slot backpack, you know. <laughs> where you can, yeah. You can, you, can, you can carry 85 metric tons of ore <laughs> in your book bag. I remember, um, I remember complaining about uh, the encumbering thing in Skyrim, uh-huh. uh, but... but... <laughs> I was carrying around like a hundred swords at that point, so <laughs> that's right. And, and how mad you get when you run slowly because you're carrying a hundred swords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, oh, and one thing that Chris mentioned in um, uh, answering this question about uh, healing roles is that uh, he said that tool use and uh, the resupply mechanics and all of these. Um, uh, uh, the aspects of, of these different roles are going to be tested in Arena Commander. So this is not stuff that we're going to have to wait for um, uh, the Persistent Universe to get to do. There will be ways to practice these roles in Arena Commander. Because he said, you know, to, to a large extent, Arena Commander is designed to be a test bed where uh, these mechanics get um, uh, get uh, uh, beaten on and, and uh, you see what works and what doesn't work. So... 
I thought that right. was very exciting. And, and that ties into what we were saying about the FPS earlier. You know, all these different things that you can do in, in um, or, or that we're, we're expecting to be able to do in the FPS module, uh, you're going to be able to, um, uh, uh, you have to have support roles to, to do a lot of that stuff. And so, um, you know, you're going to be able to play that sooner than later, I guess is my, my big point. Yep. So, okay, and um, then the last question, which I thought was also was sort of a, a, a cool question, was a uh, person, uh, Zan Cielo, asked, do NPC crew members need time off to eat, sleep, and uh, recreate? So he said, you know, if I've got a, um, if I'm on a long journey or I'm, I've got a, um, uh, a large ship that I have to have crewed with NPCs, do I have to allow time for them to... Um, take time off to eat and sleep. And um, Chris said, yeah. He said, there's, there's going to be a day-night cycle in the game and that that sort of crew dynamic is going to um, come into play uh, on, on uh, longer voyages if you're you know, taking a, a long trip or I'm guessing further down the, the, the line when we're able to have uh, factory facilities in space. Um, you're probably going to have to have shifts of NPCs that come in and, and work for you. It's not you just can't hire an NPC and work them like a robot. You know you're going to have to, um, you know, run a certain number of shifts per day. And you probably, um, who knows, you may even have NPCs that call in sick at the last minute. You know? <laughs> so um, hopefully uh, that it, doesn't mean that uh, while you're in the middle of a battle, your NPCs that are like firing your guns just get up and go to bed. Yeah, yeah, Union says I have a break now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like cell phone starts blowing up. Dudes, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just, you know, more realism. So very, yeah. very cool. Um, and then a couple of other things that uh, I heard sort of out in the in the community, uh, community space. Uh, Sunny's Diner uh, episode, uh, they have a weird episode numbering system over there. Um, this is episode 3K20, <laughs> which uh, came out on, uh, on Sunday of this week. Uh, and they had a couple of the guys, uh, Tony and Lennon from Guard Frequency on too. And uh, they were talking again... Um, you can't tell that I bought a Cutlass Red. Uh, they were talking about the um, uh, the ability to uh, respond to distress calls, to uh, uh, other player character distress calls, and uh, how um, how we are able to travel across systems, how quickly we can travel across systems is really going to dictate how the search and rescue role mechanic is going to play in the game. Um, if uh, you know, are you going to be able to get a distress call from only within the same system that you're in, um, or are you going to, um, uh, if there's you know something two or three jumps away, uh, will you be able to make that trip fast enough to uh, make a difference to a, a player character, another player character? NPCs, you know, they they'll probably be able to wait until you get there, but if you have a, a, a group of player characters that are um, um, you know, have collided with an asteroid and are lying there dying, they're only going to have a certain amount of time uh, before they actually die um, for you to get to them. So, um, you know, it's, it's I think, uh, very rich the way that they're, this is set up. And, uh, of course, because it's so rich, it, it spawns a lot more questions. Yep. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is, uh, obviously, Star Citizen doesn't have any classes, Um but you basically choose the path that you want to take. 
And if you want to be like a healer, like you would be in a typical MMO, uh, you'd basically do whatever it takes to get the Cutlass Red, and then you could be like the healer role in with your group of uh, group of friends. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 pretty cool how you can choose what path you want to go. Yeah, it's and um, uh, uh, sort of following up on on that uh, today, uh, a guard frequency episode forty three came out, and they continued the, the conversation on their show about search and rescue, and a really uh, uh, good question that they uh, brought up was how um, is how in the PU are they going to incentivize uh, the search and rescue mechanic? How are essentially, how does, how does, how do you make a living in that profession? Um, and, uh, one of the interesting, um, um, uh, options that they discussed, I thought was, uh, insurance that, um, I mean, certainly, you know, the, the UEE can generate missions where NPCs, uh, there's a horrible, uh, battle or an accident or uh, um, a planet needs to be evacuated because of some environmental catastrophe. They can generate that mission. You go and then you, you get paid. Uh, but how, how are, how do you get um, uh, incentivized to perform rescues of other player characters that aren't in your organization, you know, who aren't your friends? Um, and what they suggested, which I think might, might actually work, but it's certainly, um, if it doesn't, it's still a cool idea, is uh, insurance, is that we know we're already going to have insurance for our ships, but um, what about like something like we have AAA here, you know, for roadside service, um, or, and so, you know, we have medical insurance or what have you, but what if you, there was an, uh, essentially a search and rescue insurance policy where by, if you are in, you know, in need of uh, searching out or rescuing, that you uh, can use your um, uh, Moby Glass or radio or, or something to communicate, send out a distress signal, and that uh, the player character who's playing in the search and rescue role gets that message and then goes out to the scene and rescues you. You get paid by the insurance company uh, for for doing that job, and uh, then everyone goes forward from there. Cool. So, and, so, yeah. so you could, like, join up... Um with a with an insurance company you could be like one of their agents and uh yeah yeah that sounds that sounds pretty cool yeah i mean because if you think about it like paramedics you know they're they don't get paid by insurance i mean they get paid through the government but you know it is sort of in a in a sort of roundabout way they are on payroll you know yeah and uh, they're on payroll on standby um, waiting for these sorts of things to happen. And uh, they may be doing other stuff, you know, between emergencies, but once when an emergency comes in, they have a mechanic in place where they get the information they need very quickly. They're able to mobilize quickly. They get to the scene quickly. And then, um, uh, you know, the people that need help get it. So, um, yeah, I guess it would make sense for, um, I guess what the way it could work is it would send out like a beacon to uh, the nearest medics or whatever and mm-hmm. uh the first person to accept the mission i guess you could call it uh would would take it and go for it right right so the yeah you would respond to it and then you would get the coordinates of the location yeah and, uh, yeah 
So um, yeah, I think it's I think it's it's uh, uh, I'm feeling better and better about my cutlass every single day. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of jealous of you because the thing that I want to do isn't really set yet, and that is mining and uh, transporting, and I don't really know like specifically what I'm going to be doing. Uh, so I'm excited for them to release more information and more uh, like mining oriented ships and and stuff so I can finally start conceiving in my head what what's going to be going on well I the, I think the uh, Orion is uh, is supposed to be uh, um, in the pipeline uh, coming out soon I'm looking at the list here and I don't see it on here but um, um, I know I know that that was uh, it's on the uh, the ship list so uh, hopefully when that uh, comes out that'll give you a little more clarity into how that uh, how that role is going to work yeah i'm pretty excited to see that and then one more thing i wanted to uh to put out we'll put a link in the show notes um uh when they said uh sending a message through the player's moby glass I, i'd heard the phrase used a bunch of times and i wasn't really sure what a moby glass was so i um i did a little bit of poking around and in the process of poking around i found a link to uh this uh pretty cool uh, little website it's mobyglass.com and um, I don't think it's not official uh, CIG but it looks like uh, some community uh, 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 group uh, put together this uh, essentially it's like a PDA for space and uh, it's got a map in there and uh, it's got a cool little function that allows you to chart uh, flight paths and so i just thought that, you know it's kind of cool it's like oh that's kind of neat and maybe we'll have something like that in game but it's also cool like that people are so excited about this game that they take the time to put something like this together so yeah uh, just... i have i actually have seen this before and yeah it's basically a, a nice like visual consolidation of uh, wiki information for all of the planets and systems so yeah, so whoever put that together, kudos to you, sir, whoever or ma'am who put this together. Yeah, it's a, it's a very cool little uh, little thing, and you know, thank you for doing that. Yeah. All right. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, I gave Chris another week off because I know that they're uh, they're uh, on their way to uh, Australia, and so um, um, I. Uh, but I did actually. Um, I did forget to submit questions, but then I remembered, and then I figured I'd make up for it by submitting two. But I didn't get them in in time for episode forty-three of Ten for the Chairman. Oh. So hopefully, that hopefully I'll get some love uh, in episode forty-four. Yeah. Um, so again, sort of following up on uh, on my uh, on my uh, obsession with search and rescue, I asked Chris. Um, I have a Cutlass Red, and I plan to buy a Misk Endeavor hospital ship. Relative to the persistent universe economy, please describe the mechanics by which Doctor Gleep gets paid. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to keep the questions very succinct. I'm hoping that that will catch his eye. Um, yeah, because he does. I, the, the long verbose ones don't seem to be working. Um, and then my second question um, was one that keeps occurring to me, and I keep forgetting to write it down. So I wrote it down and sent it off before I forget again. And I just asked if I lose my ship to a pirate and report the loss to the UEE, will that pirate be able to insure my ship as his or her own? Or will the ship remain on some sort of a stolen vehicle list until recovered or verifiably destroyed? I mean, I'm assuming that I'm going to be able to replace my ship because I'll have insurance on it. Um, but is, um, 
is the pirate going to be able to insure it and like say, hey, this is my ship? Or is are they always going to have to be sort of hiding it from uh, uh, from the law? Um, and if it becomes damaged or destroyed, are they going to actually lose it? So, um, you know, I, I'm just, I, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm hoping that theft is not a way that new ships get brought into the universe, you know, because I think that that's going to, um, that would be kind of a, um, a perverse incentive structure. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. That's why I asked the question. So. Yeah, I I hope he he answers you sometime because your your questions are are always really good, and I always want to know what the answers are. Well, you know, I'm I'm actually um, I'm I'm thinking about renaming the the, the segment uh, Chris Roberts. I dare you to say my name <laughs> uh, because it, you know asking him politely um, or somewhat politely doesn't seem to be working very well. But <laughs> but you know this is only the sixth episode, so I guess I I should probably. Uh, I should give it some time. All right. Well, um, moving on quickly to uh, the first cast topic of the week. Um, there was a post on the uh, on the official website about voice attack, and uh, it was in the uh, fan spotlight uh, section, and it featured uh, voice attack profiles uh, from several community members, and uh, they're kind of fun just to watch. So we'll, we'll include a link there so you can go check them out, but. Um, I know that I'm I'm planning on uh, using voice attack in conjunction with the, the Oculus Rift. Um, I'm thinking that it's going to be really necessary because uh, with the Rift on, I'm not going to be able to see a keyboard. Um, so I'm going to have my, my gamepad. And um, uh, so for anything I can't program into my gamepad, I'm going to be uh, depending upon uh, voice uh, commands to do that. And so, you know, it's... Um, you know, obviously RSI um, doesn't uh, believe that voice attack is cheating. I don't think that they would feature um, um, uh, community uh, content of, of cheating on their website. So, but um, um, what do you think, John? I mean, do you think that it's? Um, I know there are some people that, that believe it is cheating. I've heard heard them talk about it, saying that if you don't have the skill to uh, do everything with your keyboard and mouse, then uh, ha ha, you lose. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, voice attack really is just a way of initiating a macro mm-hmm. um, or a single key press, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, technically you couldn't start a voice attack macro while you're pushing other stuff on your keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think that it would just – it would interfere uh, I mean, I haven't used voice attack myself, but that's the way that I've um, understood that it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't see it really being cheaty unless you're going to say that um, PC gaming input is cheaty anyway. Because I have a gaming key- keyboard with uh, six macro keys right here that I can set to do anything. And I can press them with my pinky right now and initiate them instantaneously uh, right. probably even faster than saying a phrase to voice attack so right. are you going to ban keyboards also i mean <laughs> i don't think it's a problem well um, i mean i've i've heard people say that macros are cheating too um and that you know if you if you want to really see who the best and you know i i'm probably recalling most of this back from the early Quake Arena days, you know, when 
um, a lot of this sort of stuff wasn't as prevalent perhaps as it is now. And, uh, you know, people saying that if you, you know, if you really want to determine who the best player is, then everybody should have the same equipment, the same um, uh, uh, access to um, um, to technology, essentially. Um, yeah, I, you I know, think I, that applies to like an MLG tournament, but I think when everybody's sitting at home and playing a game for fun, they should be able to input however they want. Obviously, mm-hmm. you don't want to go overboard and let them do things that other people can't do without like some kind of weird hacking or something. But, um, well, I mean, I'll give you sort of an extreme example, uh, space engineers, which I don't think that you, uh, you've played, but um, I have actually, I have oh, it on have. steam. I've played a couple hours of it. Okay. Um, they are, um, in the process, I believe of implementing, uh, the ability to, uh, program, um, uh, essentially write programs for all of the, the assets in the, um, in the game. It's sort of similar to the way in Minecraft you could uh, control turtles with, uh, in computer craft using uh, uh, Lua scripting. Right. And um, so, you know, if, if you're clever enough to uh, construct like some sort of, you know, Death Star that you know will systematically travel throughout the universe and destroy you know um, smaller, less well defended things. Um, is that cheating? Um, given that you're able, given that you have access to um, control assets using um, uh, a scripting, and I forget the scripting language they're using in um, uh, in Space Engineers, but it's a, it's a more uh, more powerful when it's you know, something like C plus plus or something. Well, I mean, you're using knowledge that you had to learn and pick up, and everybody else has access to it. So, uh, it's kind of like saying, uh, should you be allowed to to mine for diamonds in Minecraft, even though they're hard to find, and then craft a sword and go kill somebody with a wooden that that uh, kill somebody that has a wooden sword. It's like, obviously, you're overpowered compared to them, but uh, you had to work to get to that point. Uh, right. So, like, in the case of uh, space engineers, you had to, you know, study your coding or whatever and figure out how to build this Death Star to get out there. Right, but that's work that you did outside of the game. You know, like, in, in Minecraft, you know, you crafting that, that diamond sword, that's all work you did in-game. You know? Well, that's so- true, but... Um, I don't see any reason why I mean Minecraft even has a sort of dynamic um in the same way uh where you have to know how to craft something like the game doesn't teach you how to craft anything at all. Right. Right. So I don't know. I I feel like outside mechanisms can help you be better in certain ways. I don't mm-hmm. I don't Obviously, there are situations where it could be bad, but uh, I think it yeah, can I, promote the game in in some ways. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe my question is: at what point does creative play become hacking? You know, because you know, you, you, the analogy to hacking I think is an easy jump to make um, when your um, uh, when your creative play involves writing programs within the game. You know, yeah. This but, this uh, kind of reminds me of uh, in Call of Duty. 
uh, people would put like a little dot on a piece of tape and then they would zoom in with their sniper and then they would put that dot right on uh, the center of their sniper uh, reticle or whatever and uh, that would allow them to no scope a lot easier. Yes, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, I mean, I think that that's cheating, but I think that's so clever, you know, it's like, how can you be mad at it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let me be, be clear. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm just being devil's advocate here. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that any of this is cheating. I mean, I think that if you're, you know, if you're uh, substituting, swapping out binaries uh, in, in your client, you know, to, 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 to be able to do stuff differently than other people can, then yeah, that's obviously cheating. But yeah. Um, anyway, I just you know it's 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 something I've I've heard people say you know oh no voice attack is cheating. I mean I I don't agree. Um, uh, I, if I agreed, I wouldn't be planning on using it. Um, and I I agree with with your take on it that it's like you know hey if um if we're all just you know sitting in our living rooms uh you know playing a game to have fun you know at, at some point what does it matter? I mean if we're not you know on the uh, Star Citizen Pro Tour you know uh, for Arena Commander then. You know, it really doesn't, uh, it doesn't really, at the end of the day, make that much difference. Yeah, and uh, I don't think either of us will be going on the Star Citizen Pro Tour, so. <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, you know, I, th- I think we've, uh, we've run uh, a little bit long here, so um, let's wrap it up, John. Uh, what have you been playing? Uh, play a little more Borderlands pre-sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, to be perfectly honest, um, the oxygen system and the, the jumping, uh, kind of annoys me a little bit. Really? Yeah. I, I don't really like having to go find more oxygen and, uh, the jumping is kind of weird. It's, it's a little bit hard to control in certain situations. Um, yeah. I don't know. I kind of like being grounded in Borderlands too, but but it's still it's more Borderlands and it other than those two things, it pretty much it's exactly the same game. So, yeah, I'm still enjoying it. Um other than that, I've been playing some more Destiny. Uh It oh, looks cool. like have you been playing Destiny as well? You know, I I have. I um uh I was out uh, shopping over the weekend and uh you know, there was it was sitting in an end cap um uh, and I just I broke down and I bought it. Um and um uh, you know, it I I've, I've only played I'm like level 4 or 5. Um so I've only played a, a couple of hours, but uh, um it reminds me um in a warm fuzzy way, it reminds me a lot of the first Halo and yeah. Uh, um, you know, I, I, you know, the weapons, the assault rifle, uh, you know, the bad guys with the, the weird, you know, laser guns that, you know, like shoot projectiles that like, you know, go curving around all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, and the music too, the music is sort of, um, you know, kind of, uh, reminds me some of the, the, you know, ethereal boys choir type music, you know? Well, so it's the, it's... the same composer did it. Oh, really? Oh, yep. well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what a small world. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of things, you know, in playing it that, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, like the, the flashlight, it's like an auto flashlight, um, you know, it's like, I, uh, I mean, it's not like a, a game breaker, it's just like, well, why did you do that? Um, well, it's uh, actually, the flashlight is coming from your ghost. Oh, Yeah, okay. he's, he's like following you around all the time, and he knows when to turn it on, I guess. 
Oh, okay. And um, I noticed that I don't actually have grenades. I have like some sort of rechargeable power grenade thing that I throw. Does, does that ever yeah. change, or or is it always a? Uh, no, yeah, you can always... you can upgrade it. Um, it's always sort of a grenade mechanic, but um, uh, it'll change as you get more upgrades, and it's different for each class as well. So, mm-hmm. like for I'm running a warlock, and uh, mine is a real elemental. Um, and there's two different subclasses you can go for your abilities. Uh, the one I'm using is Void, Void something I think, uh, and it it does like a purple like magic thing. Uh, but my other subclass is like a fire. I think it's called Sun Dancer or something. I can't remember. But um, I haven't actually used it yet. But uh, it does more like a fiery effect, and then. The uh, Titan class has more, um, like, material, less magic-y type uh, grenades and abilities. What what class are you running? Uh, Titan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So your grenade, uh, you can upgrade that one later to be, uh, like, a electrical thing that sticks into walls, and then any enemy that, like, passes by it will get electrocuted. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so yeah, the the abilities are you don't have like straight up grenades, you just have abilities that refresh over time. Okay. Um you know, the one thing I I that I just noticed uh that kind of, you know, sort of piqued my interest a little bit or my concern um actually is uh the consumable buffs and is that is that does that become like you you can't at some point, is do you, can you buy those with real money, I guess I'm asking? Uh, no, there is no real money store at this point. Okay. Uh, because it sort, it sort of feels like, you know, with, with the, the tower, it feels like it's kind of set up as, a, as an MMO, sort of as an MMO, kind of in the same way that um, maybe like Grand Theft Auto is sort of an MMO. Yeah. Um, they tried to make it feel like an MMO, but on most fronts, they kind of failed. So, like, okay. when you go into a mission, at the, like, the opening area, there will be other players, like, three or four other players running around doing stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but once you get into, like, the actual mission area, those people will literally just disappear, and you won't see them at all. So, uh-huh. it's, yeah, it's like they tried to make an MMO, but they don't really know how, so they didn't really get it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's it, you know because I, I I didn't see where I select whether it's a, a co-op campaign or a solo campaign, I, but I just noticed people showing up from time to time, um, and uh, I, I the, the little dots mean that they're trying to talk to me, but I don't have a I don't have a, a microphone on, so I'm I'm guessing a, um, I can't hear what they're saying, or I don't know how that works, but I don't honestly I I don't think there's in-game chat unless you join up in your in a fire team which is like oh. like a party system um yeah it's it's kind of the game did so many weird things that kind of lets me down but the reason i keep going back is for uh the strikes and then uh, uh once i get, get high enough level right now i'm sitting at level 25 and i'm hoping to get to 26 before i do the raid which everyone says is the best part of the game. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's supposed okay. to be like super difficult, and it like 
supposedly it takes like hours to complete. Uh, oh, okay. But yeah, I'm pretty excited to to do that, but yeah. <laughs> the story the story really let me down. Oh. Um so yeah, the the thing that I really enjoy is the strikes and especially with playing playing with friends, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, as you know, I um I don't have a next gen console, so um uh, one of my concerns when I picked it up for my PS3 was that it was not going to play well. That you know it would uh, you know it, it would be clippy or um uh, you know jittery or something. Yeah. But I'm I'm really pleased that it, it plays very very well control wise. It doesn't look so as it does not look as good on my. Uh, on my uh, TV as it does on my iPhone, which is sort of odd. <laughs> He's watching other watching other people's uh, you know playthroughs. Um, uh, but you know, one thing I wanted to mention was because I know that a lot of people were very uh, disappointed with uh, Peter Dinklage's um, voice acting for the Ghost, and I don't think it's that bad. I mean, you know, he's he's it's you know. You don't expect him to be Tyrion, you know. I mean that that character would not really work in that role, I don't think, you know. But I, you know, that's all right. Well, see, that's how I how I felt in the beta, um, and uh, you're only at level four, so I think it starts to grind on you. It, Does it? Okay. Yeah. It never. I guess I shouldn't say grind because it never like started to irritate me. Um, it just gets kind of stupid <laughs> um and uh he'll just repeat the same thing over and over like a- almost all the missions are basically go to a place let your ghost scan it uh defend the ghost from enemies and then go to another place so that's yeah. basically every story mission and he'll say uh protect me while i scan this crap and it's like Dude, I'd protect you every single time. Like, why can't we do something else for once? Um, no. But yeah, there are... <laughs> the, the voice acting is kind of ridiculous. There's a part where uh, this random character that you see a couple times that is never explained at all uh, shows up and says, I don't have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, I will never forget that line. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use that at work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, you know, I'm uh, I, my expectations going into it were so low um, that um, I'm, you know, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, if you can okay. find a couple friends, one or two friends. I played the whole thing uh, through with just one friend, uh, and we had a lot of fun, even though it did let us down because we are big Halo fans and Bungie fans and we were hoping that they would do something pretty crazy. But, um, yeah, oh, well. I, I mean, I have hope for future games and they, they're, they're, they said that it's going to be like a 10 year plan and that they're going to come out with five destiny games. So I guess oh, we wow. have four more to look forward to, I guess you could say, uh, so I don't know. Hopefully the sequel or the the DLC coming out soon uh will expand on the story because it feels like the story is there. They just don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know what I mean? And, but as long as the gameplay, you know, the mechanic is okay, you know what I mean? Sometimes you just you just need a, a, a good FPS to go blast stuff with, you know? Yeah, it's true, yep. Yeah, cool. All right, well, um, oh, one last thing. Oh, and I just, I just got the email today, and I wanted to mention uh, that was what I was thinking about coming out in January. Grand Theft Auto V for PC is going to be coming out in January. Oh, and yeah. Those, those of us that bought it for PS3 or 360 are going to have the opportunity to upgrade it at a special price to the PC. So really? That's what it said in the email, I, or that's how I read it. Um, but uh, I got an email from the social club, from the Rockstar Social Club. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so I, um, I, I, you know, you and I had talked about wanting to play that together, um, but we, we were 360, and you're 360, I'm PS3. Um, so, uh, but we both have PCs, so the, there's hope on the horizon. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. I played through the whole single player on 360, and I loved it. I got to, yeah. like... 80% completion doing all the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'd love for it to come out. Honestly, the reason I stopped playing on 360 was I just got tired of looking at the graphics because it does it has, like, no anti-aliasing and there's, like, screen tearing and it's, the resolution's really low. And, honestly, graphics are a pretty big part of a game for me. And I, I like games to at least run in 1080, so... Um, the game the game itself was just so good i had to at least finish the single player but once yeah. it comes to pc i'm just going to i'm going to play the single player again hopefully 100% that and then uh maybe we can do some multiplayer cuz cuz the yeah, gta online was that's <laughs> pretty intense yeah I, well we can play it co-op can't we can't we do the the, the story mode co-op uh i think the story mode is just single player no, okay. unless they're adding something. I know they're actually adding a first person view, so you can play the whole thing in first person. Wow. Yeah, so I'm excited to see that. I don't think they've I don't think really Rockstar has ever done an FPS. Yeah, no. Um and that's kind of been um the um uh, the thing about the uh, the console version is that it was, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to target. Well, they have the auto aim which uh which helps out a lot or the uh, the targeting assist, so. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I definitely keep keyboard and mouse for that. Yep, yep. All right, okay. Well, very good. Um, uh, we've gone way over, but I think we we had a lot of fun, and that's all that matters. So, yeah. um, I have been Gleep, and you can find me in the Those Guys with Ships Star Citizen organization. Um, I'm also on the RSI subscriber forums, and I'm also on Twitter and on Steam. Check the show notes for exact spellings because they're too hard to recite accurately here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Caleb, Caleb, I hope you're back next week. Yeah. Um, uh, You can find me on Twitter and Steam at TheOnlyJonto. Then you can find my YouTube and Twitch at TheOnlyJohnConnor. That's about it for me. Uh, you can find the show at theversecast at gmail.com. Uh, please write in and, uh, you know, tell us your thoughts on the show. You know, ask us any questions you have. Uh, tell us stuff that we got wrong. Um, you know, just send send in anything. We'll read it on the show. We'll talk about it. Um, you can also do that over on Twitter at versecast. Uh, and then you can join us uh, uh, on our organization 
at uh, robertspaceindustries.com slash orgs slash versecast. We are those guys with ships. Um, and we are, we are welcoming anyone that would like to join up with us. Uh, so we're, we're all about uh, having fun. Uh, so we'll hope, hopefully we'll see you, see you there. And then uh, please review us on iTunes. Just search for VerseCast. You know, uh, give us a star rating and say, ooh, I love the show or I hate the show. Just, uh, just review us, whatever you think. Uh, we would really appreciate it. It actually helps us out. Every review would uh, uh, help us out a lot, so we'd really appreciate that. Yes, please. So, All right. I think that wraps it up. All right. Until next time, we will see you in the verse. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.